Hey, hi, hello. Welcome back to episode three of Hunter Hunter. This is Ryan, one of your local HBO boys, covering this on a solo podcast. We all still miss James, me included, but for right now, uh, it's going to just be me, and we're going to get James at the end of the season, and I'm just going to talk to him like he's a normal guy and not a bro who knows everything about this show already. Although, to be fair, as I will describe in the near future, I'm slowly but surely becoming an expert in Hunter Hunter, and it's not because I'm watching the show. I'm only three episodes in. It's just because I'm the worst. This episode is called Rivals in Survival. The summary goes like this. Kariko, who we are so lovingly referring to as Weird Wolf, have brought our three heroes to the exam site. Many applicants have already arrived. There's the veteran Tanpa, the creepy-looking Hisaka, and the talkative ninja Hanzo. I know him! Or at least his name. I know him! And the boy with the skateboard, Kalua. I believe he will be called Kalua. I think his name is actually Kalua. But I think I'm going to call him Kalua. We'll have a discussion further down the road of this episode as to what we're going to nickname him. This is a collaborative effort, everyone. The first phase of the exam is about to begin. And then that's the end of the summary. Before we begin, please visit patreon.com slash hboboys, that's boys with a Z. For $1 a month, you get this show about Hunter Hunter a day early, plus a big ol' hunkin' back catalog of super fresh and super chill content for your ear canals. This episode is actually going to be up a week early on the Patreon, because I'm within popping these episodes out real fast, which sounds like a lot of beginner's ambition that can't possibly last. So, let's talk about the intro to this show for a moment. It talks about strange beasts. Are said beasts used in combat? Or are they only there to be slain by hunters? I still don't know what the profession exactly is. And what the combat system is, basically. I'm not saying every television show that you watch has to, in some way or another, have to match the spirit of a video game. But every anime I have ever watched that is melee-based is on some level a game of D&D, right? A video game to be. It is one group of people versus another. 1v1. Who's going to win? And this show seems to be that way. It's a show of competition. So when I say combat system, it sounds clanky. It sounds convoluted. But my point is, I don't know how these people fight, and I want to. So right, that's my main question at the moment. How much do the strange beasts have to do with the combat? Are they being combated, or are they part of it? Is this Pokemon? Tell me. And guys, I don't need it to be Pokemon, okay? I'm not a peasant yearning for a warm blanket. I'm just a curious HBO boy, and I can't help myself. Any hoozles, the weird wolves take the boys to the exam, Pika Pika points out that they haven't even started the real exam, and Mr. Oreo says that they should celebrate anyway, which is typical of this soft-brained idiot. Our boys finally arrive in Zabin City, the location of this year's hunter exam, because the hunter exam moves every year. And I don't think that's actually interesting outside of that I love maps, as previously stated, and I want a full list of everywhere the exam has ever been. Okay, cool, thanks. Weird Wolf claims that without them as navigators, it would be almost impossible to find the exam site as it is incredibly well hidden. Gone, our small-towned island boy, is taken aback from all the delicacies and goods in this big city. 
Mr. Oreo looks around the market square and says that Zobin City is a shady place. And then it cuts to two men in turbans smoking a hookah with a pet monkey, which is racist as fuck. So not only is Mr. Oreo a genocide apologist, an elder abuser, he is also a terrible bigot. Pika Pika agrees, not to the racism, to be fair, but to the extent that cities attract all kinds of people, which is a bit more measured, as is his entire character, especially relative to Pudding Noggin over here, Mr. Oreo. The Adventure Boys and the Navigator arrive at a skyscraper where the exam site lies. Gon asks himself if his dad felt as excited as he does in this moment when he was 12. And then psych... Nope, not the exam site. The skyscraper was a red herring, and the exam is in a tiny restaurant to its right. And then the weird wolf, who, it must be said, now looks like a regular person and has this entire time, enters the establishment with our adventure boys. They are met with a cook whom has a conversation that is basically a, do you know the secret password to get into the back room conversation? My assumption at this point is that this is going to be like a Harry Potter Quidditch tent situation where they walk into a back room that is for all intents and purposes supposed to be relatively sized to the building, but instead will straight up be a goddamn stadium. But we shall see as we move on. See, I wrote that in the past, right? When I didn't know the answer, but now I do. (laughs) Haha, entertainment magic. By the way, I'm riding high on theories right now. That's why I'm feeling good about throwing theories out into the world. I just got a Lovecraft Country theory right that we will talk about over on that show when we record it tomorrow. Time is, doesn't make, time is, uh, podcasting's not linear. Okay. Anyway, I'm feeling it right now, so I'm just letting my brain juices flow like the Mississippi, and we'll see if that's the case or if my brain is like a melted camembert cheese like Mr. Oreos is. Anyway, nope, (laughs) they get into a tiny back room, but like at this point I was like, maybe there's like a wall that becomes removed. I can still be right. I can still pull this off. Weird Wolf claims right before he leaves that the odds of getting into the starting line for this exam is one in 10,000, which is straight nutty. Weird Wolf says that he hopes that next year he can help them again, which is weird. Isn't saying that like wishing failure upon the group? Pika Pika follows this up by saying that once every three years, a rookie passes the exam. So Weird Wolf is not being abrasive. He's just being realistic. So is Pika Squared, who's being a pragmatic son of a biscuit, as he always is. And at this point, I'm like, okay, cool. I like the amount of context for how hard this shit is. Then it's revealed that the room is actually an elevator. My prediction can still be correct. All I want in this world is to be right about a TV show I'm watching. My priorities are definitely in perfect order. And no one can tell me otherwise. Pika and Mr. Oreo rekindle their fight based on the exact people they are. Their entire beings are in confrontation with each other. Mr. Oreo claims that money is the best reason to become a hunter. And Pika claims that it is the nobility of the profession that is the best reason to become a hunter. Gon is uncomfortable with his new friends trying to fight each other. Which makes sense because he's a literal superhero. Like, I don't think he relates to the common problem or problems that anyone around him might have. But we're only three episodes in. We'll see how it goes. But at the moment, this is just like a dragon being yelled at by sheep who want him to agree with them. Except this dragon is super goddamn nice and doesn't take a side because why make one person sad or angry? My question is, what happens when the super duper powerful bro realizes he's, you know, super? Or will he be relatively not as super once we get introduced to other hunter candidates and other hunters? Assumably he will, right? We're not dealing with a Saitama and One Punch Man situation where... We get introduced to him, and he's the most powerful person in the entire goddamn world. I assume. I don't know. I just... It doesn't seem that way. It seems Gone is incredibly talented and is malleable, can be crafted into something great. 
But we're being introduced to him in a way that it leaves room for a lot of improvement, especially personality-wise. So, I don't know. It's interesting. We shall see. Once it reaches the bottom, the elevator opens and we see the crowd of hunter hopefuls. Some rookies, some veterans, who have been said to sometimes purposely try and sabotage rookies to make their chances better. Those goddamn dicks. Gon points out that everyone down here looks like they're on the edge, like very intense people. A little green man walks up to them who looks like Round Yoda but with no ears and hands the boys a number badge. His name is, at this point, inconsequential, but it's funny, so I'm going to tell you anyway. His name is Beans. A guy is sitting up on top of a pipe, yells down to the adventure boys. His name is Tanpa, but I shall call him Donesbones. And this is his 35th attempt to become a hunter, which is a lot. Tones points out that the others in the dungeon who have tried before are people such as Toto the Wrestler, whose character is I eat things and have a ponytail. He's described as probably the strongest one here and smarter than he looks. We also get introduced to a grudge-holding snake charmer, whom I assume Mr. Oreo will exhibit xenophobia towards momentarily. There's also an old dude who's a kung fu master. There's three brothers who almost always do really well, but have never passed. And there's a man who's referred to as the Huntsman, who is a black guy dressed up as a court jester, which is disconcerting. Just then, a dude bumps into another dude, and the guy who got bumped into is like, how dare you, and makes that dude's arms disappear. They turn into flowers, which is a scarily pretty way for your arms to disappear. Not cool, man. So as it goes, this is an evil bro that we're about to meet. Tones describes him as Hisaka the Psychopath Magician, which is a cool way to introduce somebody. He almost passed the exam last year, but then he killed one of the examiners, which seems a bit too intense. (laughs) You pass, chops the person's head off. Well, now you don't, because you chopped the guy who said you passed his heads off, okay? This is your fault. At this point, Tones offers the boy some drinks, and off to the side we hear a conversation that, in fact, Tones is known as the Rookie Crusher, which is ominous. The drinks have laxatives in them, apparently, which is hilarious. That's some middle school shit. I don't know what happened in y'all's middle school, but drugging other people with laxatives is a thing that happened in mine. Once or twice, I didn't do it, and I was never personally drugged. I don't think. Now I'm thinking back on my, did I have any specifically terrible days in a public bathroom that I, if I do recall it, I've suppressed it for sure, right? Anyway, it's a thing that happened in my middle school. People got suspended. It was a whole thing. Did that not happen in your guys' schools? Okay, mine was weird. Anyways, the boys almost drink this, and that would have been bad news. Their assholes would have been put to as big of a test as they're also about to go through. But thankfully, Gon thinks it tastes like shit and spits it out, so they all don't drink it. Gon's a superhero who can't be fooled because his superhero body knows a shit-inducing intruder when he drinks it. So, can't fool me or my island lips and mouth. I've been eating weird shit since my childhood, Gon thinks and says out loud. I will not be bamboozled. He doesn't know that he was just poisoned, but... His body was just like, okay, put that down, buddy. We then get an internal monologue from Tones Bones as he walks away from the boys about another rookie called Hanzo. Which, again, I know him. He's a character in Overwatch, which I enjoy. Hanzo is a ninja who has a secret quest to gain a secret ninja scroll. Tones claims that at first he seemed gullible, but then he turned out to be like glowing and wary of drinking things given to him by other people and the glow is interesting it's like what happens to characters in dbz so what's that glow huh what's that gonna be tones keeps talking in his head after this thankfully as we get more exposition on the surrounding characters that 
I assume will matter in the future. He points to one who is purple and has like both pinhead and bobblehead vibes. He quote oozes danger unquote. So that's vague, but right on. Tones then also points out number 107. They're all numbered. And this one's name is Nicholas, who looks like a little boy with a tuxedo top and a red bow tie and is on a laptop. He has a bowl cut. He's a weird looking bro. He is a statistician, apparently, who uses numbers to get his answers and also is like a pretentious prick. That's his deal. As Tone starts talking to him, Nicholas types Tone's name in to the computer box that he has. And it spits out that Tone's has the second most attempts ever. And the most consecutive attempts ever. So, Nicholas has data on everyone who's standing there, most likely. He knows that Tones Bones is referred to as the Rookie Crusher. So, he has one-upped him immediately. And, assumably, the N in NSA stands for Nicholas. Then, from behind him, number 99 asks Tones Bones for more juice. This is a person we have not met yet, but we will know more about very soon and for the rest of the series uh, until I, I I don't know if there's an untimely demise or not. I'm not aware at this moment. But this is Kalua Kilua Kilua, and he has cool white hair and a skateboard, which you know makes him pretty badass. But with this amount of shit juice in his system, and he puts another bottle down, he is probably going to have a bad time for the next few days. A lot like I do when I imbibe the drink named after him. Although Tones Bones claims that the laxative should have taken effect already, but it hasn't. Also, Tones literally says to himself that Kalua might die of dysentery at this rate, like he is in Oregon Trail and he just shot 600 pounds of bison and can only carry five for some ungodly reason. And then Kalua catches him off guard and says that poisons don't hurt me. So he knows that the rookie crusher was trying to get him and tells him straight to his face, I've been drinking this poison for fun. So fuck you, rookie crusher. Sidebar. This character's name is Kilua. Kilua. Kalua. Something like that. Should he be nicknamed Kalua or Kilowatt? Those are my two options at this moment. Write in and tell me your vibes at Westworld Ryan on the twat. Just know that obviously I've called him Kalua a bunch of times already, but the alternative would lend itself to 1.21 kilowatt jokes, which would happen for the next 157 episodes. So I just want you to understand what kind of primo content you'd be missing on if we go with Kalua. Kalua, Kilowatt. Which one? We can also go back and forth. I suppose we don't have to choose one. You know what? No. We do have to choose one. I'm raising the stakes on this one, guys. Right in. Tell me what your feels are. An alarm then goes off, and a gigantic door opens to reveal a white dude with a mustache that says, I eat caviar, but also I fuck. And hair that says, I went for the beaver cut, but I'm also as old as Betty White is. He seems to be in charge, at least of this part, and says the exam has now begun. Also, he warns the crowd that if they are short on luck or ability, this exam could cause severe injury or even death. This is like those pharmaceutical commercials about those drugs that will cure your cotton mouth, but will also give you kidney disease and make your eyes leak blood. Anyway, no one decides to leave and said warning because, you know, why would you have come this far and just leave? And he's like, it might be hard. And someone's like, no, okay, well, if it's going to be hard, I got to go. So this Betty White fuck mustache starts straight up goose-stepping away, and he also lets the audience know that there are 404 applicants this year in the 287th Hunter exam, with one being already DQ'd, whose name was Matthew, and he's the dude who didn't pass the old lady test that we met last episode. And he has a name, by the way. Also, the way I learned that name is the internet told me. Also, the internet told me that he probably got eaten by a monster, according to the manga which is funny. So the old ladies sent him to his death. Goddamn hilarious. Goose Stepper Extraordinaire starts running, as I mentioned. His name is Satos. 
the appointed examiner for the first phase of this hunter exam. He tests the examinee's stamina by leading them on a marathon of initially unknown length, later found out to be like 50 miles through an underground tunnel. And that's again from the internet. (laughs) That's information I didn't know and didn't come from the first three episodes. Fair warning. If you're going to watch a television show with me that I can research at all, I'm going to, even when it makes future surprises worse, because I'm the worst. I just, I don't know. Research is a fun part for me. The only show I've never done it with, at least while watching it live, was Game of Thrones. So, I don't know. If Hunter x Hunter continues to be a pretty good show, which it is at this point, in my opinion, maybe I'll stop researching it, but I don't know. It's a world full of so many mysteries, and I want to know all of them. As the running keeps occurring, a wild narrator appears. As the narrator starts going, we see all of the characters we were just introduced to. My favorite scene under the narrator was definitely Nicholas, the nerd, on his laptop while running. And Tone's off to the side looking at him like, I'm going to eat your goddamn lunch, kid. Which is figurative at this moment. There's no food currently. It's just it's a figurative lunch. Okay? Come on this ride with me. And that is episode three. The next episode's name is Hope and Ambition. Again, the actual name is Hope X and X Ambition. But the X's are silent. We are weathered now, okay? We are seasoned hunter-hunter watchers. We know what we're doing. All of us. Together. So, you know, thanks once more for joining me on this episode three ride. Definitely go over to the Patreon. Give a buck. You'll get these episodes earlier than they go on the main channel. Isn't that fun? Does this have value? Question mark. (laughs) Do I have value? Now Ryan goes through an existential crisis far away from the microphone. (laughs) Anyways, I really love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. The fact that anyone still listens to our podcast, so, so cool. And I will see you next time for Hope and Ambition, Episode 4. Bye.